0: morality shouldn't come anywhere near making a law. Morality should come in the individual choosing whether or not to follow the law. But people don't believe they have the right to do that. People don't believe they have the right to go against the law. (laughs) Welcome to the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast, where we discuss the journey to real liberty through self-sufficiency, counter-economics, non-aggression, and the agora.
1: The Outpost represents the border between societal norm and the pioneer spirit. Every episode contains practical, philosophical, and technical information you can use to gain the freedom you deserve. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Off-Grid Outpost Podcast. I am here with Cyrus.
0: Good morning.
1: And today is my birthday.
0: Yay. Happy birthday.
1: Yay. Thanks. Happy birthday to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're
1: going to sing to me. Uh,
0: That was all you get.
1: That's all I get. I realized
0: people are going to listen. I had to stop.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Yep. I am a... What a, an ex is what I call myself, because technically I'm a millennial, but I'm literally like 81 is when X stopped and 82 is when millennial started. So I feel like I got gypped by six months. I'm like six months away from being a Generation Xer. I mean, come <laughs> on. So I consider myself an ex because I definitely jive with Generation X. Way over millennial, but I do have some millennial traits, I'm not going to lie. Right. Don't we all? I think we all have a little bit of millennial in us. Sure. So today we are talking about the state. What is the state? And we're talking about the state because we are going to diverge onto topics related to the state and the government. So we need to kind of have this awareness and uh, be on the same page yeah. And it's an interesting topic.
0: Yeah. And it's important, too, because most of us, what we know about the state has been taught to us by the state. And so we have Yeah, the, the, the majority of the population has a somewhat distorted view of what the state is simply because of public education. Oh, yeah.
1: You
0: know, and governments realized centuries ago that they need to have a good relationship with the intellectual class so that they can use the intellectual class to teach the populace what they want them to know
1: hmm. and interesting
0: yeah so it's
1: like an omnipresence
0: yes right so the, the intellectual class dip- is dependent upon the state and the state is dependent upon the intellectual class And I just realized I'm getting off topic already, but (laughs) it's important for people to dive deep into what the state really is and, and allow yourself to think outside of what you've been taught about what the state is and truly just look at it from an objective point of view.
1: Yeah. I think there's going to be some mind blown moments in this episode. I know that my mind was blowing up a little bit when I was listening to the book by Larkin Rose, The Most Dangerous Superstition. Mm -hmm. It definitely makes you irk a little bit. It definitely, the concepts make you squirm a little bit, but that's good, you know. It's good to question the status quo.
0: Yeah, and he does a really good job. He's pretty succinct in how he describes things. So, you know, it's kind of easy to see it the way he describes it.
1: Well, he's definitely to the point. I mean, there's no fluff. It's just, let's get down to business and talk about these concepts and what's really going on, which I like. hmm You know, I don't need some convoluted, philosophical, complex theory. I just want, I want answers, you know? Right. So before we go into all the goodies, we should probably examine, like, what do we mean by the state? Are we talking about, like, the state of Texas or... State of the Union, or you know, the state itself. What does that word mean in context to what we're talking about today?
0: Yeah, basically, uh, for today's discussion, the state is just the uh, the political body that makes up the governance, really. But there is a mm-hmm. a really good definition that I like that is pretty well used. Uh, a guy named Max Weber, who's a sociologist, German sociologist. Uh, said that uh, the state is a community of people who has successfully claimed the legitimate use of force within a given territory.
1: Interesting.
0: I I think that all definitions of the state that do not include the idea of the use of force, I I, I think all of those definitions are inaccurate because without the perceived legitimate use of force, and not just that, but also the monopoly of the use of force. Like, they can use force, mm. but mm-hmm. no one else is allowed to. Without that in the definition, I just, I think it's incomplete.
1: Well, what are some of the things that they do to force us? What are they forcing us to do? Because I don't feel, you know, forced on an everyday basis. I feel fairly free to do my own personal will. And our country was built on the, the thought of freedom. So that's kind of like, A little bit inverse as to what I believe the state is here.
0: Yeah. Well, every law that is written is backed by a gun, basically. So if you choose to break a law, if you get caught breaking that law, it is going to be a man with a gun that confronts you about breaking that law. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the use of force. So in our minds, the gun is, is always present when we're considering laws now we may not we may not realize it consciously but we all know that it is a police officer who is tasked with enforcing the law and he carries a gun and he will use it as we all know
1: that's kind of interesting concept yeah
0: you you uh... cuz we
1: don't consciously think about it but if we were to run a stoplight even though there's no one else in an intersection and an officer was sitting and he saw that, he would pull you over and he will be carrying a gun.
0: That's correct. You will be expected to comply with his demands because he has the gun.
1: Yeah.
0: Because you know in the back of your authority. head. He has authority.
1: Huh? He has authority.
0: Authority. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you will respect my authority.
1: My thought.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, that was a great show because that show was very subtle about, oh, about bringing out a lot of this kind of stuff. I, that was a good show.
1: They actually talked about like really serious, like thought concepts and deep dives and you know, just created a bunch of comedy around it. So people were getting a lot of good information actually. Yeah. Uh, but there was a lot of sheer stupidity also, Mm -hmm. which you kind of almost have to, you know, you have to like marry the two to really get the point across. That's what I love about comedy is you can put so many truths in comedy, Uh yet you can get away with a lot in comedy that you can't do in just normal everyday life. Sure. As far as expressing yourself and viewpoints and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, so this officer comes up to the vehicle, he has pulled you over because you ran a red light despite the fact that it's the middle of the night, there's no one in the intersection, and now he smells pot wafting from the vehicle, and now he has the right or authority over you to take you out of your vehicle, search your car, and then just shit rolls downhill from there.
0: Yeah, and really he has the right to do all of that no matter what. And when I say he has the right to do it, it's not because the law has given him the right. Because the law states when he's allowed to do something like that and when he's not. But the truth is, he's the guy with the gun. So if you get pulled over for speeding and the guy with the gun says, get out of the car, and you say, what for? And he says, because I said so, he's still the guy with the gun. You know, nothing matters at that point about what he's, what he has the right to do or what he doesn't have the right to do. The number one thing in that situation is he has the right to use violence. Yeah. He has the monopoly on violence.
1: I see. So the government in essence is violent. Yeah. Period.
0: And, and here's the, the government
1: is a violent entity.
0: Here's the proof that they have the monopoly on the violence. If you attack him and he kills you, that was a lawful shooting if he attacks you and you Mm -hmm. kill him, you get charged with murder Hmm. because you don't have the monopoly on violence. He does.
1: Well, and it's funny because like the shit can roll downhill, like so hard and fast that it can go from a a very minor incident of, you know, your tag being expired. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be like drinking and driving, which isn't, a good choice, but it's fairly, you know, minor in the grand scheme of things. And you get pulled over and now you are being possibly taken by force against your will with violence Mm -hmm. and you get handcuffed and thrown in the back of the car and detained. So basically they have the authority to enforce violence upon people for really relatively minor infractions.
0: Yeah, and it's, you know, it's pretty much always at the discretion of the officer. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do have rules in place that where they try to control the conduct of officers, but we all know, well, we all know what's going on and how officers will abuse their authority, you know. Yeah. And I, I'm not claiming that, All officers do that, but some do. We know that to be true. And it's simply because Mm -hmm. of the the perceived legitimacy of their use of force, which is part of that definition, that that legitimacy. uh, A group of people who have successfully claimed the legitimate use of force. They've claimed it for one thing. It wasn't given to them by anyone. They've just claimed that they have Well, this it.
1: whole like take on authority. We have been trained to feel that we need this authority in order for society and civilization to function. Right. And so we have given this entity, the government, the state, the authority to enforce by with violence and have the monopoly on violence. But we need this authority. Right. Like what do we do without authority? Can we exist as a humanity without authority from the state?
0: So the current structures of authority that we have today have have only been around really since about the fourteen hundreds. So what did humanity do hmm. before then? Mm-hmm. There, the world wasn't full. That's of, interesting. The world wasn't full of violent, uh, uncivilized life before this system that we've set up. I mean, there's always been psychopaths in the world and there always will be. So the idea that, you know, a lot of people will say that we have to have government to protect us from the bad guys, which, you know, not a bad thought really. But what you end up doing is hiring the bad guys to protect you. It doesn't... It,
1: It ends up flipping at some point. Yeah. Inversing.
0: Yeah. And if
1: you end up putting the bad guys into power. And we've seen this happen over and over and over again, like with Mussolini and with Hitler and, Mm -hmm. you know, these same stories keep rolling out in different forms of putting the bad guy into power.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And there was a time not too long ago in this country where the, the common mindset of people was that I'll, I'll protect myself. Yeah. Uh, The Western expansion of pioneers, like they didn't, they didn't have police. They didn't have, they were lucky if they had a U.S. Marshal within a hundred miles of them. You know, some, some guy is caught stealing a horse in some town in the West and they've got to wait four days for the judge to show up to try the guy. So uh, most people just,
1: We seem to have forgotten that.
0: Yeah. Most people just protected themselves and they didn't involve anybody else. And there was no need to because you have the right to protect yourself unless you're being confronted by an agent of the state. Then you do not have the right to protect yourself because they have the monopoly on violence.
1: Well, and the police state has grown drastically. I mean, like when you talk about this in our history, of, you know, our our police force was so much smaller back then, and you had to wait days for trial or the law to come and get involved. Like, it was a much smaller force. And now today, I mean, that's why I left California. I'm actually uh, born and raised Central Coast, California. And in my early adulthood, I just saw this explosion of control and I realized at that moment, I'm like, I need to get the hell out of California. Mm -hmm. And one of the tipping points was uh, when I was visiting my brother up in the San Francisco area. And we were driving home, not disobeying the law or anything. And we got pulled over. And we got pulled over for no reason. And the only reason was, is that the officer can pull over anyone without probable cause. And my brother gave him like a weird look while we drove by the cop or some, some complete bullshit. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to search the vehicle. He wanted to, he wanted trouble. Let's just put it that way. And it was at that moment that I realized I needed to get out of California. And it started bringing in a level of fear So anytime I drove by a cop, I would feel a little tingly feeling like, oh, is he going to pull me over? Oh, no. What do I say? What do I do? Am I speeding? Am I wearing my seatbelt? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then also even just like commuting to work, they would set up these speed traps. So there'd be six or seven of of us like speeding in a group. And they would have like 10 cops ready, like in the bushes to like pull out and pull all these people over. Oh, my goodness. So all of a sudden, like we're going eight miles over the speed limit and we're all getting pulled over all at once. And there's like tons of lights. And so, so the police force to me became like a point of fear. And that's when I knew I needed to leave. And then I moved to Montana and then like, I wouldn't even see police for like days. And it was awesome. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That was my little uh, side story of the, of how I feel and about the cops and stuff.
0: Right. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, that feeling you get when you're driving by a cop, this fear that, oh my gosh, am I breaking a law? Is,
1: yeah. which,
0: you know, it's possible you're breaking a law you don't even know about. And. Oh yeah. I think that's the, the most important thing to know about a state is that, that, that they have the monopoly on the violence. Mm-hmm. And because You know, people will say, well, cops aren't allowed to do this or cops aren't allowed to do that. Well, that's just because they're not allowed to right now. I mean, all it takes is a stroke of a pen to change what cops are allowed to do.
1: If it doesn't go their way, then shit's going to get ugly, basically. So you comply or you potentially die.
0: Right, exactly.
1: You know, and it doesn't take much to go from point A to point B. I mean, if you're non-compliant.
0: Yeah, all you got to do... it can be a matter of seconds or minutes if there, if you're in confrontation with the wrong police officer. I mean, look at that George Floyd video.
1: Oh, I know. Yikes. Yeah, just look at that video.
0: I think the the other thing to understand about the state also is this pedestal that we've put it on where it seems to have rights above and beyond our own. That's the other important Mm -hmm. psychological aspect of the state and why we believe that it's okay for them to treat us like they treat us.
1: Well, before we even delve into that, I think we should just talk about how the state is not real. Yeah. That it is a fallacy, it's an illusion, and it doesn't exist. And I think that's a really, like big, hard concept for people to swallow since we have been so ingrained into the system and ingrained into the government. And we have people and we have buildings and they take money from us every time we get paid and we have to have permits. So how is it that the state doesn't exist when it is like all around us at all the time?
0: Well, it's because the state was formed on a piece of paper. Like it's a concept yeah. that we came up with in our minds and we wrote it down on paper and created it much like you would create uh, a business entity. It's, it's the same thing. It only yeah. exists on paper. Like the corporation that is Walmart only exists on paper. Yes, there are buildings and there are people yeah. and there are products and all of that. But what created all of that was a piece of paper and then hmm. so yeah government consists of things like buildings and monuments and people but it's just a piece of paper it's just a concept that we came up with and hmm. it, it, it's it, it's same as the concept of a king kings are not ordained by god to rule over people it was a concept at the time yeah. it, it's no different than that
1: I think it's easier to envision it when you put it into the concept of a different government type of system. So, you know, looking at the monarchy system, like queen and king, and then to us, it's kind of weird. Like, you know, that whole system's kind of weird to us. So it's easier to see that being like not real or a fallacy as opposed to like our own system that we've been raised in, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we weren't raised in that system, so it doesn't make sense to us. And over time, it didn't make sense Mm -hmm. to the people that lived under that system. There, you know, over time, people started seeing, wait a minute. What do you mean you were, what do you mean God gave you the right to rule me? You know, people started questioning it. The Declaration of Independence, when the Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal, they were really not talking about Mm -hmm. equality of men in the sense that we talk about it today, you know, That couldn't have been the case because they owned slaves. What they were really talking about was yeah,
1: that's a good point.
0: The Declaration of Independence was a letter to the king, and what they were saying was, "Hey, you and me are on the same footing. We're all equal. You know, God didn't Hmm. God God didn't give you the right to rule me. Like you say, we're equal. That's what they were talking about when they said all men are created equal. They were just simply saying kings do not have the right to rule over men." But people think they meant it something differently.
1: That's a good point. I never thought about it like that yeah if
0: you if you read it in the context that it was written, it was a letter to the king, and they were explaining to the king why they were claiming their independence.
1: and now our viewpoint of independence has completely uh, developed and evolved into something totally different from its origins. right hmm, interesting. It's an interesting thought
0: yeah they they developed a new form of government. And that you know, it was a group of that isn't real. (laughs) Yeah, that isn't real. It was a group of it was a group of men, predominantly white wealthy men, who were protecting their assets from the king and they created a new government. You know, they claimed they had the consent of the people of the thirteen colonies, but that's not even possible. Did they knock on everyone's door and take a poll?
1: Yeah, what is consent anyways? You know, I don't feel like I've given consent to the government for everything that they do with my money that I give to them that I will they take from me. I don't really give it to them. They just take it out automatically.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. You you didn't give them the consent. They've just taken it. They've, no. they've claimed their legitimacy. It's it's not even logically possible to give consent to be governed because there is consent which is a voluntary act. And then there's governance, which is not a voluntary act. They can't, they can't coincide together. Huh. The moment you give your consent to be governed by someone else and to be told what to do, you are no longer in a voluntary relationship. Say that again. So there's an argument that we give our consent to the government to be governed. Mm-hmm. The fallacy in that is that consent is voluntary. It's a voluntary act. Yeah. Governance is not. So how can you agree to be in a relationship where uh, whether you agree or not no longer matters?
1: But I thought that was our uh, due process of voting. Like I vote in a politician that will stand up for my viewpoints. And by proxy, I give consent because they're a, they're a public servant and they're doing what we want them to do, right?
0: That's another argument. The, the voting process mm-hmm. is where you give your consent, which is another fallacy. It's another way that the concept of consent has been twisted to make it seem like you're giving consent. So if I if
1: yeah they twist the idea of consent through this voting process, which votes some sort of politician in, and this politician has probably blackmailed, lied, and bought his way into where he's at. Right. Because I don't feel like any connection, really, to these politicians, personally. Right.
0: Well, let's assume for this argument that the politician didn't do any of that, that the vol- the politician is a, a, a moral person that would never do something like that, but they still have their agenda and the way they think things ought to be ran and so when you talk about consent if i don't consent to being governed what are what are my options so yeah like people will say well uh you better cast your vote for the guy you want to win okay
1: Mm.
0: well what if
1: he's, he's gonna do everything you know you want him to do because you guys have like Telekinetic powers, and right, and, you know, we all are, you know, collective consciously controlling this person to make all the right choices that we voted for. And right, is that how it works?
0: Well, and if he if he doesn't win, do you still have my consent? Now that the guy who I voted for doesn't win, does that mean you still have my right. consent? So, the the other option is to not participate at all. Like, I don't give consent to this system, so I'm not going to vote. Well, now the government will say, well, you lost your opportunity to control your own fate. You still gave consent by doing and saying nothing. So in that voting argument, there is no way for you not to give consent, which is not the definition of consent. Consent is a choice. And if you have no choice but to give consent by the way that they designed it, then you're not giving consent. That's not what consent means.
1: Well, what happens if I decide to just opt out of the system? Like, can't I just say, you know what, I don't want to participate in your government and your state because I don't agree with your monopoly on violence and I don't give you consent. That What what happens to me if I choose to do that?
0: You will be forced to consent. At some point. I mean, you can... I don't think
1: there's any way to opt out.
0: No, there's not. Then the argument changes to this. Well, you can leave. And there's multiple problems mm. with that. No matter where you go on the planet, you're still in a government. There's nowhere to go where you're not governed. I mean, I guess you could move to the Amazon, live in the Amazon forest somewhere. Um, there, We've talked about Liberland before. Guess you could go there. Yeah. Which is a really cool concept that I like. And it's still going on now and seems to be growing, but you know, I'm I'm kind of afraid that the moment it poses any kind of threat to any other government, that thing is done.
1: Oh yeah. So basically it's compliance or leave. Yeah. Which is not a really to me those are not two choices that are really feasible.
0: No. And so the idea is really the concept isn't consent of the governed. The concept is to more accurately describe it. It is consent or else give your consent or else Consent or what? Con- give your consent or else.
1: Yeah. Or else. or else
0: you end up in jail or else you end up shot or else we make your life really difficult or else you'll wish you had consented. <laughs> I mean, p- phrase it however you want, but that's basically mm-hmm. what consent of the governed means. It means you better choose to consent.
1: Interesting. So at this point, the government, we have discovered, has a monopoly on violence. That voting in your favorite politician to do your bidding is not really consent. That's a fallacy. That we are forced to comply. We cannot really opt out. And that the government itself is not even real. Yes. And then as far as laws, you know, laws are here to, like, protect us, right? Like, you know, we want the help from the police if someone's, like, breaking the law, stealing from me, destroying my property, et cetera. Et cetera. But I feel there's also a lot of laws that go against, like, people's independence as well. Yes. That don't really have any... Viable reason to be illegal, except for the fact of keeping control of the people. Yes. Do you have like any examples of those kinds of laws that are counterintuitive to like the law of man?
0: Well, sure. Uh, Marijuana. Yeah. That's a good example. I mean, the idea that it's a crime to do what whatever you want to do with a plant, as long as you're not harming someone else. How is that a, how is that a crime? How does that hurt anyone? It's just a plant. Mm. And whether you chose, whether you choose to grow it, eat it, smoke it, whatever, how can that, how can the idea of protecting society have anything to do with that? Mm -hmm. The only way that you can make a uh, uh, government, an argument about that is on a moral basis. So you can claim that, that it is, in some way morally wrong it is going to deteriorate society i mean in my opinion you can't uh legislate morality because the reason is because not everyone has the same morality and so as as the people in government would change so would the morality so there would be no consistency
1: why is changing your mind state through substances illegal I mean, I guess I could understand, like, you know, really harmful things like speed and heroin. But what about, like you said, pot? You know, pot is fairly harmless as far as, like, risk of OD and risk of insanity and and things like that. So,
0: Well, because it depends on the morality of the people in office at the time because.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: You know, there was a time when a lot of propaganda was going out about about marijuana and how I remember seeing this.
1: Yeah, reefer madness. Yeah,
0: I remember seeing this, this <laughs> kind of like a a caricature advertisement from a long time ago. And I, I don't have a recollection of where it was from or anything like that. But it was just a picture of this white woman dancing with this black guy and how the ad said marijuana makes white women dance with black men. And, I, and, and so, oh and so that that's just hilarious. A, right. And that's just an example of the morality of the time. You know, the, the people who were in office were obviously uh, racist. And so mm-hmm. the laws reflected that.
1: So the laws are typically I mean, laws are kind of a fallacy in themselves then because if they're constantly changing just because of people's morality. It's not really based in, like, protecting people, per se. Exactly. It's just, yeah. It's almost like a religion. It's almost like laws are commandments that need to be followed like a religion, but as society changes and culture changes and morals changes, therefore laws do as well. Like, back in... Slavery times, it was illegal. You're breaking the law to teach a slave to read. Yeah. That's, I mean, obviously that's like appalling in today's times, but that was a serious law and a serious crime back then.
0: Right. And I think we've touched on this before, but it's really important for people to understand that uh, what is legal and illegal is not the same as what is right and wrong. Every individual has to decide. There's a
1: divergence. Yeah,
0: every individual has to decide what they believe is right and wrong. And you can't just say, I'm following the law because it's the law. Well, if it's not right, you shouldn't be doing it, period. That's where morality should come in. Morality shouldn't come anywhere near making a law. Morality should come in the individual choosing whether or not to follow the law. But people don't believe they have the right to do that. People don't believe they have the right to go against the law. They're taught that it's a virtue to obey the law. That's, and it's not a virtue.
1: Yeah. It's basically just obey. Yeah. Uh,
0: being a law abiding citizen is not virtuous. No. The, the people who gassed Jews under Hitler were obeying the law, I think we can all agree they weren't being very virtuous. But they were obeying the law.
1: At the time, they felt they were.
0: Well, they were. It was, you know, they were supposed to follow their leader.
1: Mm -hmm. The absolute unquestioning. It's very dangerous. Yeah. It's a very dangerous concept. And one thing I noticed about laws that I kind of wanted to bring up is uh, there's one law in certain cities that if you have a solar power system you are not allowed to have an autonomous solar power system. It has to connect to the solar grid. And that may not seem like a big deal at first, but the reality is if you have a solar power system and you connect to the grid, if your city loses power, you also lose power. So you will not be like the only dude on the block with power. You're going down with the ship as well. And they set that up because your solar system is feeding into the grid and then you're also getting power back from the grid, but in order for the electrical people to work on fixing the system, they cannot have any live power running to it. So you get cut off. So that's a law that is basically emboldening control over people who want to be independent.
0: Yeah I'm not I'm not familiar with those laws I would assume that, that those laws were put in place by paid lobbyists from the electrical company because that gives them free electricity mm-hmm. or nearly free I mean they charge people for the electricity and if they're if they have to pay an individual because they took some of their solar energy I would imagine it's pennies
1: it's a pittance yeah it is a, a pittance what they're paying these people to put energy into the grid You know, and then I was searching online, like, I was searching for rain barrels, and you know how Google will, like, suggest a search? Uh Uh-huh. And people are searching for, are rain barrels legal, or rain barrels illegal? And so, certain jurisdictions, you're not allowed to collect rainwater. Right. And people type in, are composting toilets legal? And it's like, why are we even asking these questions? Exactly. Why are we even having to ask these questions if we can collect our own water, if we can harness our own energy, if we can manage our own waste system? Like, it's really mind-boggling how far the control has gone, that we have to even question our independence, you know, on a Google search. And a lot of jurisdictions and cities and suburbs do not allow these things. It's it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. It's... and that's where the, the mindset is so important. You just got to get to a place where you, like out here where I live, if I'm going to do something out here on my property, like I don't even try to find out if it's legal or not. Like it doesn't matter to me whether it's legal no. or not. I'm just going to do what I feel is right for me and mine, you know, and as long as I'm not hurting somebody, I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether the state says I should or shouldn't, or can't, or must, or whatever.
1: But, you know, it's always for the good of everybody, you know. Like, building permits is for the good to make sure your building is sound and your electricity's good and this and that. And I understand the basis of that, but it always oversteps at some point. Right. You know, they always overstep, and they try to control, like, what you can and can't do. Like, for an example, in California, I was looking at property in a little town called Cambria. It's beautiful. It's right on the beach. It's secluded. A very small uh, town, probably more like a village. And I was finding that, like, property was really cheap, like 20 grand for two acres, which is really cheap in California. Right. Beachfront property. And so I kind of got interested in purchasing a piece of property. Well, the reason property is cheap is because You are not allowed to install any new plumbing for water. Like, the water rights, they are not giving them out. Huh. So I am not allowed to plumb water into the property. They're like, okay, well, I'm just gonna dig a well. I'm gonna put a well on my property. Nope, nope, you're not allowed to put a well on the property. Okay, well then I'll just haul in my own water. I'll do a cistern system. Nope, you're not allowed to haul in your own water. So I'm like, okay. so I'm just going to put an RV on there and live out of my RV on this property. And I can go, you know, fill up my water from a municipal source. Nope. Can't put an RV on it. You can't put a yurt on it. You can't even put a tent on this piece of property.
0: (laughs) I'm surprised they can get 20,000. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Well, and to go back to your point about, let's take building codes, for example. So mm-hmm. the idea of building codes sounds like a good idea. The problem is that every time you give the government the authority to do things, you're shifting your own personal responsibility to the government, which is very mm-hmm. dangerous. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't th- I don't think people should have to build a house that is safe. They should build a house however they want. If I want to buy a house, it's my responsibility to make sure it's safe. I'm not going to buy it. If I look at it and, you know, or let's say I don't know anything about how a house should be safely built before I buy one, I will hire somebody to go look at this house and say, Hey, tell me what you think about this house. It's my responsibility to make sure I buy a safe house. It's not the government's responsibility to make sure every house is built safe. For, for number one, it doesn't make sure houses are built safely. There are ways around building codes. There are jurisdictions where you can just pay the inspector if you want to get away with something, which I've seen happen being in the building industry. You build something and after you've built wow. it, you realize you did something against code. And the only way to solve it is to tear a bunch of shit down. And it's much easier uh to slide $500 to the inspector. I've seen it happen.
1: Oh, wow. So, so just because it's up to code doesn't mean it's safe. That's right. Because, of course, there's blackmailing and, and payoffs within that industry, too. Yeah. It, like anything and anything government touches is blackmail and payoff.
0: It can be. Yeah. Sabotage. That, that, that's right. But the point, the point is that just because there are codes in place doesn't mean that every house is going to be built safely. Yeah. So, I mean, My cabin that I have built, there are several codes that won't get met. You know, if I were to have it inspected by a city inspector, there are lots of things that uh, wouldn't meet code. That doesn't mean my house isn't safe.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a good point. But I think, uh, I feel like the government's just intrinsically corrupt. Yeah. It just sets up a system of corruption that attracts... Shady people that we put on pedestals and worship like a religion. But once you strip all the crap away and just talking about it makes me realize, like, the concept of government is corrupt. Exactly. Like, you go down to the, like, very basic bones of government and the state, and just the concept of it is is corruption. It just yeah. breeds and heaves corruption.
0: Yeah, it's uh, immoral, in my opinion. And, you know, there are...
1: Government is immoral at the very concept of government is immoral. Right. So, and then we're so surprised that we get all these immoral and corrupt politicians and immoral and corrupt inspectors and and immoral and corrupt laws because it is in itself immoral and corrupt. Mm Mm-hmm. Because forcing consent with violence, is corrupt, which is the foundation of every government.
0: Right. Which is not consent. The not fact consent. that we call it consent isn't even accurate, because if it's forced, it's not consent.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: is forced. I mean, we we voluntarily give our consent now, but it is because we know what will happen if we don't. Yeah. Which is not consent. Well, like we
1: said, it's comply or or else. Right. Consent or else. So of course you're going to consent if you have or else wagon right behind it, you know?
0: Right. If if uh, if the person telling us to consent or else is also the person who has the monopoly on violence, what else do you do?
1: Of course you're going to consent. Of course you're going to comply. And we've built this kind of idea that America is free in the Declaration of Independence and freedom of speech and freedom of, you know, carrying arms. And, and that's great. Like, I love all that about our country. But the reality is, is that we're really just not free at all. No. In a sense, you know, like if you look at the very basics of it, I mean, we're a lot more free than like communist China. You know, I'd much rather be in America. I'd rather choose this lesser evil, but it's still evil.
0: Well, and it's kind of like when it comes to freedom, you are either free or you are not free. There is not varying degrees of freedom. If you do not have freedom, you do not have freedom, period. So it's kind of like, put it in the context of slavery. There were some people who owned slaves who were really good to their slaves and gave them much more freedom than other slave owners. So to say, I would rather be owned by this guy than that guy has nothing to do with freedom. You're still not free. Yeah, you just you may you might have a better existence. That's not freedom, though. And it's hard for us to believe um, it's hard for us to look at the concept of not being free in America, mainly because from the time we were five, we would say this little thing five days a week that made us think we were free. And we would sing these songs about the land of the free It's just conditioned in us to think that we have freedom.
1: Yeah. Well, I may have freedom of speech and can say what I want on Facebook, but I'm still being taxed halfway to death on my paycheck, and that money is going to funding wars I don't agree with, programs I don't agree with. Yeah. So it's like like you get a little bit, but then they take a whole lot. And they've sold us on this concept of freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. I think that's great. We don't face persecution for those things. But on the flip side of that, we're paying for it. We're paying for it dearly through this monopoly on violence, through this taxation that's theft. Yeah. Not being able to opt out. If we were truly free, we'd be able to opt out. Yeah. That's really where it's at.
0: And maybe, um, maybe we should change the words that we use. So... When we talk about, I have freedom of speech and I have freedom of religion, maybe it would be more accurate to say that we have choices as opposed to freedom. You have the choice yeah, to choose whatever religion you want, and you have the choice to say certain things that you want to say. But in my opinion, you're either free or you're not free.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that.
0: And I, I, I definitely don't feel free under this government rule.
1: The authoritarian system, I don't feel free either, now that I am taking a hard look at the system itself. Right. Now that I am taking a hard look at how I must comply, and if I don't comply, I could be dead.
0: Right. You. But
1: I feel free because I can buy what I want and say what I want and bear my arms and be whatever religion I want. But really deep down on the inside, I comply and I consent because I don't want to get into trouble.
0: (laughs) That's exactly right. And
1: (laughs) or killed or dead.
0: uh, Even the freedom to assemble and protest and all of that is not a freedom. I mean, it, yeah. It's still just a choice because you can make that analogous to the slave also. So let's say you have a slave owner who lets mm-hmm. his slaves complain to him about their treatment. That's not freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he still gets to choose how to treat them. So protesting and going, right. protesting and going to your government and begging your government to treat you better is not freedom. It is still slavery.
1: Right. That's a good point. Freedom is being able to choose to opt out. Yeah. Choose to opt out of paying taxes. Choose to opt out of having a driver's license. Choose to opt out of registering vehicle. You should be able to opt out of the system.
0: Yeah. Or you should say we shouldn't be free. Those are the only two choices. You can either argue that we shouldn't be free because we're not smart enough to make our own choices and therefore we need a government to make choices for us. Or you should argue that we should be free and choose, be able to choose to opt out. Those are the only two choices.
1: Yeah, but we've been led to believe, which is a really huge point, that we need government because human beings are naughty.
0: Right. (laughs) And that they can't do things that government can do. That some things are too complicated. Yeah, and
1: and we've talked about this before, about how, you know, how would roads get built without government? How would law work, like, as far as courthouses and and things like that? And the reality is, is that we'd still have all that stuff. It would just be built more efficiently and, and cheaper.
0: Yeah, and better.
1: Because the government's just a big, shitty middleman, really. Like, the government is the worst middleman Like I would never hire the government to be my middleman because every time we hire the government to be the middleman, it takes fricking forever for anything to happen. And it costs probably 10 times as much. Right.
0: You have to, like when I have discussions with people about these things, sometimes you have to shock them into thinking about something. So while we're, People will say things like, uh, you know, when you're talking about what government does that we couldn't do without government, they'll say things like, well, what about the poor? And my response is always, well, what about them? Mm. And that kind of shocks people, right? Like you don't care about the poor, you know, which is not my position, Mm -hmm. but I just say it to shock them into, because that shock will kind of, for a moment, their mind is open a little bit, you know? And yeah. I think it would, if, if you are a person who, who's one of your thoughts would be, well, what would we do about the poor without government? I suggest going and looking at poverty rates before the war on poverty and look at poverty rates now. Just, I mean, right. I'm not even going to tell you. Just go right. look it up, especially in places yeah. where there's real poverty, like
1: inner cities. Yeah. Well, and what about the poor? I mean, like, if we didn't have the government, the poor would still get taken care of in some way, shape, or form. Would there not be charities without the government? Would there not be food banks without the government? Community would take care of it without the middleman government meddling in everything.
0: Yeah. As a species, we have always taken care of our own. We've done it in different ways throughout our history, but... People don't just want to leave the poor to die. Nobody wants to do that. No. They're, you know, people have always taken care of their uh, less fortunate and their uh, elderly. And to think that the government does it because the government is awesome is just, it's not really rational. It's just programming.
1: It's programming to think that we couldn't have schools without the government. Yeah. It's programming to think that we wouldn't have. Fire stations without the government. We would have all these things. These things would naturally arise because it's it's just the natural law of mankind. Like we can survive. We wouldn't just be like barbarians, cavemans roaming the streets without the government. Right. Like it wouldn't be complete and total chaos. It would actually be better, more efficient and cheaper. Right. And probably more peaceful, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Which is kind of an interesting concept because I never really questioned it wholly. It wasn't really on my conscious plate to think that we could survive without the government. We just kind of assume that because the infrastructure of government has gotten so big and they have injected their affairs into every part of our society that we could not live without them. But the reality is we could. We'd probably live better without them.
0: Yeah, there would still be communities with rules. You know, every community has to have cooperation yeah. and rules. The thing is, you should be able to choose whether you want to participate. You shouldn't be forced yeah. to do anything. With the exception of, uh, the non-aggression principle, principle, in my opinion.
1: Yeah.
0: In my opinion, the non-aggression principle is where morality begins.
1: And that's just like the natural law of man. So when I say like the natural law of man, Mm -hmm. you know, people that are pro-government tend to believe that man is just bad and evil and corrupt. And then people that are pro more of the anarchist way have more of a belief that man is intrinsically good. And just looking at history... I think that man is more intrinsically good, and there's always going to be some bad outliers and corrupt outliers. Right.
0: Whether there's government or not.
1: Yeah. But when you instill government, it enables enables people to be bad. It really does. It makes—government, like, actually creates criminals and bad people.
0: Well, Yeah. Uh, in a couple of different ways. Number one is the system of government that we have currently mostly around the world is a system that encourages the sociopath to rise to the top, which is kind yes. of strange. The other thing is... It is
1: strange. When a government, it's inverted.
0: Yeah, when a, when a government creates a law that is based on um, legislating morality, all that, all that it does is create a black market. Because mm-hmm. people all have different moralities. People have vices, which are not crimes, but they are still going to seek out their vices, whether it's against the law or it isn't. We, you know, we've already seen this with prohibition. Yeah. We're seeing it now with marijuana. You know, marijuana is going to be legal all over before too long because it's mm-hmm. just a vice. Yeah. And people are always going to choose their vice.
1: Well, So, upon pondering all of this, you know, what is the state and the government and how it doesn't exist, I had an epiphany that I find interesting that I wanted to talk about. And everything, it seems like everything the government gets involved with becomes inverted. So, for example, our school system has become under government control and it's supposed to make kids smarter but now our scores our IQ scores are going down and our school grades like the uh, comparison of you know kids coming out of our schools versus other schools you know we're getting way lower scores yeah so like kids are becoming dumber and our healthcare system has been usurped by government control and now we're having a system that is creating sick people as opposed to treating sick people Mm -hmm. Uh, another one is the stock market our free our markets that are supposed to be free markets have gotten meddled with the government and now we are creating massive debts beyond belief within the markets as we're reaching all-time highs Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on about this theme of inversion. Like you were saying, the poverty. Once the government launched the war on poverty, the poverty levels are getting worse. Right. So why is it that everything the government touches and starts to control, why does it seem to flip mm-hmm. from what it's supposed to do? And the only conclusion that I can come up with is that government is anti-man.
0: Yeah, for sure. It is anti-humanity. Yeah.
1: Government is anti-humanity, which is, like, really, like, a bitter thing to, like, stumble upon.
0: Yeah, because it's so counter to what we're taught about government, especially here in this country. I mean... Yeah, you know, all governments teach their citizens that they're, that the country they live in is awesome, but it's, it is really bad here. Like, you know, you hear people all the time, this is the greatest country on earth. Really? How many have you been to? Like, what are you basing that on?
1: Yeah, right.
0: What are you basing that on? I mean, I've seen pictures of other countries that look pretty awesome. I've never been there. I don't know. Oh yeah. What we, what we hear about other countries. Is not a lot of, not a lot of difference than what we hear about our own. How accurate do we really Mm -hmm. know? uh, You know, how accurate is that information and how do we know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and so government is almost like a religion. And the way that it sets up rituals and symbols and, mm-hmm. you know, this hierarchy of people that we put on pedestals and how it's omnipotent and omnipresent. And we must obey the laws like religion obeys the commands of God. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. But when you start to, like, question it and peel back the layers, you really realize that the government is against humanity which is freaking mind blowing. Right. Like that blows my mind.
0: Right. Yeah, we weren't meant to live like this as as humans. I don't believe we were meant to be controlled. Yeah. In the same way that I don't think a dog was meant to live in a kennel. You know, we're just mm-hmm. we're just not meant to be caged. We've all seen lions in a zoo. You know, it's kind of sad to me.
1: It is sad. And even though they're being fed and protected, you know that they're they're really just an unhappy animal. Yeah. Because they're being controlled. They're put into a system that they don't consent to. Right. But they're there and there's nothing they can do about it.
0: Right. And, you know, when we talk about America being the greatest country on earth, I don't know whether it is or it isn't. It might be, but it's still... Mm-hmm. Just choosing one slave owner over another.
1: Yeah. It's exactly. still not
0: freedom. It might be the best country on the planet. It's still not freedom.
1: And I think it's like it's a good point to say, like, we are not meant to be controlled. And people feel scared when you say that because, like, well, without the control, we're all going to be heathens running around killing each other and robbing each other. And the reality is, I don't think it'd be like that at all. I think we'd be more peaceful. Yeah, I think so, too. I think we'd have better systems. I think we'd have school systems that actually teach students real important things to use in life. We'd have healthcare systems that would actually heal people. Yeah. We'd have a free market that was actually free and made money instead of going into debt. We'd have people helping others in poverty because there wouldn't be a layer. There wouldn't be this middleman of when you see a bum on the street, oh, well, he gets his x amount of week on welfare he gets his food stamps he'll be fine it just passes the buck onto an entity that doesn't exist right
0: and then you end up with these arguments about why isn't the government doing more for these people look at this you know and it's because we've passed the responsibility on to this thing we call government and we're not responsible anymore that's the other side of the coin of freedom On one side, it's freedom. And on the other side, it's responsible. You become responsible for all those things. You become responsible for making a decision about what you should do about that guy on the corner. You know, maybe it's giving him a meal. Maybe it's giving him five bucks. Maybe it's giving him nothing, you know, but you should be deciding what your responsibility is.
1: Not passing the buck onto some non-existent entity that's corrupt and inverted to take care of the problem. Right. Well, and choosing, like, freedom, like, real freedom is empowering, because if I choose real freedom, and I know that I have to, like, protect myself, I'm going to, like, train myself more to protect myself. Yeah. You know, because I might not have the option to rely on a police officer to come save me, or... Oh, it's not my problem if I see a woman getting mugged on the street. That's the, you know, the police need to be called. Right. Let me dial 911 while she's getting robbed. I would have more, I'd be emboldened to like help my fellow man in need because I'm not expecting someone else that I pay taxes to to do it, which aren't, which they're not even doing competently.
0: Yeah. And anyways. not even obligated to do by law. I mean, the the police have no obligation to protect yeah. you by law.
1: Hmm. Then how is that? That's a concept okay, well, I'm not familiar with.
0: Well, there's been there's been several cases where someone sues the police department because they didn't they weren't protected by the police department. Like the police didn't show up in time or the police didn't respond at all, things like this. And so the police the city gets sued and yeah. People lose every time. The courts have already said wow. the police departments that police departments have no obligation to protect you.
1: Whoa, that's pretty mind-numbing. So we're relying on a system that is not even obligated to protect us, yet we're relying on their protection to the point where we're not allowed to be armed. We're not allowed to practice self-defense in exchange for a system that has no obligation to even protect us in the first yeah. place. There's another inversion right there. There's another inversion right there. Anti-man. Yeah. Anti-humanity. Right. So how would this even happen in the, like, how does it happen in the first place? You know, if it's so anti-humanity, how can we give this non-existent monster entity all this power if it's against humanity? Like how does it even happen?
0: Yeah, I'm not real sure. I I know it's a slow process.
1: That's an interesting concept of the human psyche.
0: If you take the beliefs of the people that were alive in America around the time of the formation of this government, they were a lot different than today. So it's happened over time. Yeah,
1: that's true. It's definitely an evolution You know, it's a slow boil like the frog. You know, you throw a frog in boiling water, it jumps out. If you do the slow boil, it boils itself to death. And I think we're at the point where the frog is boiled to death. Yeah. Or is currently boiling to death. Like, I think it starts out good with good intentions.
0: I think that might have been true. Um, I, I mean, in my opinion, the founders of this country, I think they were just protecting their assets from the king more than anything else. They were tired of the king taking their cut, and so they formed a government, and now they don't have to give the king their cut, his cut, and then over time, the government that they formed started demanding its own cut.
1: Exactly. To the point of 30 to 40 percent of our paycheck. I mean, it's insane, the cut. The cut is unreal.
0: Yeah, and I think every generation will be willing to accept more and more control. And so that's how we get to the point. Oh, yeah. And so, which if you follow that natural evolution, it just means that we are going to become less and less free over time. Yeah. Which is even a strange thing to say. Again, to say that you are less free is, is. that's why I try to come up with different words hmm. to use because you're either free or you're not free.
1: Yeah. I think the natural system is, yes, we get less and less free and there'll be more and more control through the generations and then there does become a tipping point where there's a massive meltdown, government and societies are destroyed and then we start fresh all over again with this idea and great concept and and the state coming out of an idea that's beautiful and then it just always crashes. So we're in like this cyclical system that's doomed to fail that we keep repeating in history of mankind and the only way to get out of this cycle is to never put it into power in the first place, which is choosing no government.
0: Right. That's exactly. That's why I don't believe in revolution. Because revolution has never worked. Mm -hmm. It's just overthrowing one government and replacing it with another. That's why I talk to people about just ignoring government. Government Government cannot exist on its own subsistence. It needs us. And if enough of us choose to ignore it, it, it would go away. Yeah. And I think the reason maybe a government uh, starts out a good concept, the reason it ends up not a good concept is because the requirement of government is that there be people in charge of other people. And the people who want to be in charge of other people are the people who shouldn't be in charge of other people.
1: Yes. The people that desire to be in charge of others, like in an authoritarian type way, are the people that should exactly not be in
0: charge. And so I think that's the, that's why the natural progression of government is more control. Because the, it's, it's Mm -hmm. set up to attract people who want more control.
1: Interesting. And then the ball just keeps rolling and rolling to where you get the biggest, most craziest sociopath on the top. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how that works. Right. Because a person on the top has to be greedier and hungrier and more willing to lie and cheat and steal and blackmail and bribe their way to the freaking top. Mm -hmm. They're like the cunning ones. They're the the crafty, cunning ones. Those are the most dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting concept. I never thought about it that way. And
0: I think in their own mind it's for everyone's good. Like they believe they're the good guy. They just happen to also believe that they're that they know what's best for everybody.
1: I would really love to be in a community that did not have government. And I don't know, I they must exist somewhere in little pockets around the country. It'd be kind of interesting to like investigate into you know, places that might be like off-grid outposts like that, you know? Right. Well, to sum up our conversation, there was a lot within the conversation, but from what I got out of it is that the government or the state has a monopoly on violence. Uh, We believe in the fallacy that we give consent through voting for the politician, but we're not really giving consent because A, that politician may not be voted in, and B, that politician is probably not going to do What we are expecting them to do. Uh, We've covered that the government is not real, that it is not an, it's a, it's make believe that we've put into power, and that if we do not comply, we could possibly die. We are, there is comply or else. You are forced. Um, That right and wrong is not the same as legal versus illegal, that you are not virtuous if you follow the laws that government is intrinsically corrupt and creates corruption and creates criminals and sociopaths. And government is like a religion in their omnipresence, that we are not really free, and we actually do not need a government to exist.
0: Yeah, and that the government needs us. Like, we don't need the government, but the government doesn't exist without us.
1: Now that's a good point, because another inversion is... We have been trained to believe that we need the government to exist, but it is the exact opposite. That's right. So we are giving our control away to something that needs us to exist.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Crazy. The government does not create goods. The government does not create services. Well, they kind of do, but you know what I mean. Yeah. We create it for the government. And they just use us. That's right. Because they're just like the world's shittiest middleman. <laughs> That's right.
0: <laughs> if it, if it was a free market, no one would choose that middleman. If,
1: oh no, if
0: there really was consent, <laughs> we would not choose that middleman.
1: So what can we do now that won't get us arrested or killed, but removes us? from the system, even if it's like a small change, it doesn't have to be like 100% removal, but how can I start working on removing myself from the system now? Cause I'm after talking about this, like I really don't like the government right? at all.
0: Right. Well, find a way to earn money under the table. That's a start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just change your mindset from when you want to make a decision. Uh, is this decision legal or not? First, Let the choice have to do with whether or not it's right for you or not. Make that be the first thing. Then Mm
1: -hmm.
0: find out if it's legal or if it isn't legal. And then choose whether to obey or not to obey, either obey or not obey based on whether or not you think you can get away with it. Because I, so the extreme example of my position. Is the anarchist who won't follow any rules or laws of the government and he just ends up in jail. Yeah. You know, and I've and I've been down that road, actually. So
1: You've been that guy. I've been that guy, yeah. You speak from experience.
0: Right. So it makes more sense to pick and choose your battles. So for example, if I were gonna sell moonshine, I wouldn't sell moonshine. 500 gallons at a time because that will attract too much attention. But if I just sell, you know, a quart here or there or a gallon here or there, I am more likely to get away with that. Um, Exactly. If I'm going to choose to speed, it's probably a good idea to have a radar detector. If
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, just think about the, when you're making a conscious choice about which laws to obey or not obey And have a conscious plan about how to do it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: I do everything I can not to pay taxes, but I'm always going to pay my property tax until, unless I find a way to not pay property tax and still keep my property, which I have not found.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing we can do is keeping our dollars from them as much as humanly possible. And don't feel bad about it because they're printing trillions of dollars into thin air. So it's not like they even really need our dollars anymore.
0: (laughs) That's true.
1: (laughs) You know, that's the reality of it. Yeah. Like, I used to feel bad, like, oh, I need to pay taxes for the schools and the police department, the fire department, and this and that. But the reality is, is they're just, you know, typing in 16 zeros on a keyboard and printing out, digitally printing out a trillion dollars out of their asses. So I'm pretty sure that they could cover, like, our portion if that's where we're heading. You know, infinity, infinity dollar printing makes me feel like I don't need to pay my taxes. It actually makes me feel like I want to get more dollars from them, to be honest. Like, how can I work the system? And I've never been a system worker. Yeah. I I am not the type of person that's like, oh, I want to go on welfare and food stamps and work the system. I have never felt that way. Right. But my feelings are changing because they are literally printing us into oblivion. So you might as well try and get the dollars out of the system while you still can, right? Yeah. If
0: you can take advantage of them, do it. I don't have a problem with that at all. Like, uh, game the system to your every advantage, because they certainly take every advantage that they can against you.
1: They're exploiting the system on such massive proportions right now. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, if you listen to our economy, it's a train wreck episode, you will feel not bad at all gaming the system because you gaming the system out of thousands of dollars is nothing compared to them gaming the system out of trillions of dollars to make their corporate buddy super rich at the top, which is what's happening.
0: Yeah. And it's all at your expense.
1: At our expenses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good episode to listen to. Um, yeah. So I think my personal goal is just to not give any of my dollars over to the government ever again. So I'm, I'm slowly working on that goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And your And there's
1: ways to do it.
0: Your concept of going out and hunting precious metals is awesome because Oh yeah. Totally untraceable. Like you've
1: That's what I'm gonna do today.
0: Yeah, you've created your own wealth simply by finding natural resources, mm-hmm. which is awesome.
1: Exactly. I'm very excited. Uh I like to metal detect and I'm learning how to find you know, the goal is gold and silver but even if I find, like, clad, I'm happy because that's, like, money that I just found that, you know, adds up. That's completely untraceable, untaxable. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Okay. So, speaking of making money without paying taxes, we have a little goodie coming out, don't we?
0: Uh, We do. A free downloadable PDF where we list lots of ways to make money Outside of the government, or at least partially outside of the government, just so that you can keep your own money and and put less money in government's hands. And that gives you more control of your life and takes some control away from the government.
1: How to make money without paying taxes. Yeah. Essentially. Uh, You can visit com. All you have to do is sign up for our newsletter, you enter in your email address, and then boom, you get an instant download uh, to this awesome PDF, which, I mean, I know I'd download it. Sure, ciao. Yeah. For show. Sure.
0: I mean, it's free anyway, and you might get it. And It's look. a free
1: guide to making free money. I mean, how, to, how much better does it get? Right. Because <laughs> each tax dollar that you save is basically money in your pocket. So if you make $10, you're actually making $13 if you're getting taxed at
0: 30%. Right. And I guarantee you, no matter right? who you are, there will be something on this list that makes you go, huh, I could do that.
1: Oh, yeah. there. It's, it's a very approachable list. It's not like some complex scheme of illegalities. Everything is legal, by the way, to do. It's kind of ex- exercising the gray man or the gray hat, which we're all about like gray hat stuff. Right.
0: Which if you didn't, uh, if you hadn't listened to previous episodes, the gray market is just simply things that are legal to do, but require you to, in one way or another, ask permission from the government to do it. And so the idea is just to yeah, do it and like not having permission. a garage sale. Yeah, like getting permits, uh, getting a certificate from the health department so that you can sell frozen ice out of a trailer and call it a snow cone. Yeah. <laughs> Those kinds of things.
1: <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I also want to point uh, people to the book by Larkin Rose, The Most Dangerous Superstition. We have a link to the book. On the uh, website, and it's only like seven bucks for paperback edition. If you do purchase it, we get a tiny little portion of a commission that helps keep this project going. If you don't want to, you can actually listen to the audiobook uh, completely for free on YouTube, and there is a link to that YouTube video on the website as well. So, either way, you can consume the information for free or buy it for. A small amount and help support the channel
0: yeah and we certainly appreciate any support
1: yeah um if you do have any questions or comments you can leave us a voicemail there is a link in the uh, description the podcast show notes we'd love to hear your feedback and you can also email us at the offgrid at gmail.com and please leave us a rating a review like a star review on whatever platform you're on, Spotify, Apple, it helps us get found. Yeah. Well, after today, I've decided that I don't like the government at all. Good. Yeah, fuck the government. Yeah. I almost want to get that tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, I should get it tattooed on my ass cheek, because then I'd be sitting on the government.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could... uh <laughs> <laughs> you could get a tattoo of lips puckering that represents the government so that you can be saying that kiss my ass to the government.
1: Kiss my ass. Exactly. I like that idea. Hmm. Next tattoo idea. Uh, well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, our next episode, we're talking about agorism, which is basically counter-economics, how to make money without paying the government. Right? Am I right on that?
0: Uh, That is a large part of it. But it also involves uh, community and organizing people of the same state of mind. So there's a little more to it, but it is mostly counter-economics.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about this upcoming episode. So stay tuned for more tips on that, and we will catch you uh, next week.
0: All right. See y'all later. Here's a little teaser for what's coming next week. Anarchists argue with each other a lot about which kind of anarchy is the best kind of anarchy. So the agorist is the person who's not really arguing about anarchy because you can be any kind of anarchist you want. Just start being free. Start living like it. Start acting like it. The agorist is the guy saying, let's just do it. I'm done talking about it. Thanks for listening to the Off Grid Outpost podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe so you can get all the new episodes.